Hey, this is Gwenna Hunter, founder of Vegans of LA, and right now I'm with SoFlo Vegans. Welcome to the SoFlo Vegans Podcast. We bring you vegan experts from around the world to talk about health, the environment, animal advocacy, and spreading compassion. It's our passion to help you navigate the vegan lifestyle by listening to the experiences of vegan influencers, doctors, and experts. Thanks for listening. This is the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. And now your host, Sean Russell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoFlow Vegans, Sean Russell. And today... We have an individual that is doing huge things for the community, making sure that people are staying fed, staying healthy, inspiring people to to step into this movement and make a difference. And of course, we have Gwenna Hunter on the show. And she is the first Black woman to run, I guess, start a vegan food bank that is brick and mortar and actually the first in LA, but also the first black woman in the entire country to do that as well. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. And you said it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) And we have, for those of you who are just listening for the first time, thank you so much. And make sure you visit SoFloVegans.com for the show notes so you can link to all of the amazing stuff that Gwen is doing. And if you've already listened to this or to the show in the past, you know our first question is the vegan origin story. Because, you know, we're the people that I bring onto this show are doing huge things. And I like to think of them as sort of superheroes for, for humanity. And, you know, every superhero has their V has their origin story. So we're putting our little twist on that. So, so Gwenna, what is your vegan origin story? That's the best way I've ever been asked. Like I feel powerful right now. So, um, well, I'm always powerful, but I feel extra powerful right now. (laughs) So my origin story, um, I started off in 2008 doing vegetarianism after trying a Daniel's fast with a friend at the time. And I had already, um, since I was 23, I stopped eating cows and pigs because my body would not process cows anymore. Like I could not digest them. And when I would try to eat steak, corned beef, anything like that, my body would react violently. I would have to go to the emergency room. They thought I had an ulcer. Then they thought I had gallstones and I ended up diagnosing myself. I'm like, this only happens every time I eat a cow. And so I also decided to, to stop eating pigs, but none of the, it had anything to do with compassion. It was just to make me feel better. And then some things I heard about pigs. And so I was like, okay, I'm just not going to eat those two animals anymore. But again, nothing to do with compassion. So anyway, forward to 2008, went vegetarian. I felt better. Kept getting little hints that I now see as little hints about taking it all the way, but it just wasn't clicking. And then in February of 2016, my journey, like fast forwarded and really began. I had a dream mm-hmm. and in the dream, I was flying in the sky and I saw this really beautiful cow in a green pasture. <clears throat> and when I looked down at her, she looked up at me and we had like this type of energy between our eyes. 
and we merged and became one and I possessed the cow's consciousness like completely. Her life flashed before me. I like experienced her as a being, <clears throat> giving birth, having children, community, feelings, emotions. Just I felt her entire existence as you feel your existence. So when I woke up from the dream, I was so emotional because I was like, oh my God, cows love and we eat them and they have this level of consciousness. And I was just like crying and I was just like, oh my God. And even though I'm a huge believer in dreams, phenomena, supernatural, all of that, I still have a skeptic side. <laughs> so mm. I'm like, okay, maybe did I eat something weird last night? Like, could this really be true? And as I'm laying in the bed, wide awake, fully conscious, I feel this physical warm sensation over my chest. And I looked and I didn't see anything. And I put my hand there. And when I touched it, I was paralyzed with peace. But peace is, it's not even the right language. It's just the closest word I can grab. But it doesn't even begin to describe the feeling. It was warm. It was loving. It was unconditional. It was real. And it was still. And it just felt so good. You could just, I could have just like checked out of earth and stayed there. Like it felt that good that I had, I didn't want to be connected to nothing on this particular planet. And so it probably lasted a few seconds. And so that was my confirmation that what I experienced was real. Coincidentally, within a few days later, I ended up coming across this five minute video by Aaron Janice called Darius Effing Scary. Mm. And that video shows how we treat animals, like how we treat cows and how we get our milk for real. And so I'm watching this and I'm like, I, I never seen anything like it in my life. And I'm like, this is what we do to her breasts. This is what we do to her children. This is what we do. We take her son and we make him veal. Her daughter has a life of slavery like her. Like I saw slavery, rape, murder, torture. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a cow. It was to me, it was a woman. And I was just like, I will never participate in this. Because I thought being vegan was extreme. Yeah, I didn't think... I didn't know what I know now. I just thought, you know, crazy vegans throw blood on people wearing fur coats. Mm -hmm. They don't drink dairy. You know, I just thought, you know, the vegan community is <laughs> like, you know, completely nuts. And so, yeah, when I had that experience and I saw the video, I just felt like I need to tell everybody. If I tell everybody, they'll go vegan. But we know that that's not how it mm -hmm. works. <laughs> and, and so... One of the things I love about this segment is that everybody has a different story, even though there may be some similarities, like the person I just had, um, I think, you know, maybe Sherry Johnson, she was on the show earlier, and she had mentioned she had went on a fast that, that I think it might have been a Daniel's fast, okay. but, but that's, you know, but even though there's similarities, it's the path is different. Yes. And, and I feel like it's important for people to hear that, that there's yeah. not one way to do to be vegan and you all have our different motivations for it. Like I've gone, I came into it from a health perspective, but your experience is unique to your journey. And yeah. um, I'm glad that you shared it. And I actually, I remember we met in LA yeah. at um, Beverly, Nick's on Beverly's. Yes. Yes. And you shared that story and it stuck with me as you know, even until today before you even told it, because just the way it happened, it's different than yeah. what you might hear most people say. It's like, oh, yeah. I went because I had a family member that was sick or something like that. So 
let's let's take the audience into what happened after you had that epiphany and you went through that altering experience. What was the next the next part of your journey? So the next part of my journey after being horrified even further from seeing the video, because it's one thing to know that they're conscious, then I had to make the connection to not only are they conscious, they they're experiencing this torture. They're experiencing, you know, the loss of autonomy of their body. They're like, I saw the exact same blueprint for slavery on humans, on black people that I saw on this cow. I'm like, this is the same exact thing. And then we're told they don't think, they don't feel, they're put here for us. Like the same exact copy and paste and we buy it. <laughs> so my next part of the journey was to tell everybody <laughs> and get them to go vegan. Cause you know, if I just tell them, they'll do it. Of course. And <laughs> like, duh. So, you know, I'm on Facebook and I'm posting these slaughter videos and I'm like, this must stop. You know, I'm like <laughs> one of them for about three or four months because I'm learning so much. I'm yeah. learning that the meat and dairy industry, you know, fun public schools. I'm learning, like I'm seeing all these, what is the word? This mafia type situation going mm-hmm. on on the planet. And I'm just like, mine keeps getting blown, keeps getting blown. The more I dig, the more I research, the more I watch, the more I see, the more I read, the more I'm like, what? <laughs> and as liberating as it was, it also pisses you off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you have to decide which one you're going to be in or how, and how often. Initially, the first few months, I was in the angry part because I was just resentful that I had learned this information, that I had been lied to. What else had I been lied to? Why are we doing this? Who's in control of this message? Who's putting this propaganda out? Who's telling us to eat animals? Who's like, I'm just like, <laughs> I need answers. <laughs> so I ended up deciding because I started volunteering. I started doing things to see where I fit because I knew that my destiny was in the animal rights movement. Like I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And so I went to protests and, you know, potlucks and Like I did all these things just to see what felt good to me. And I realized it was something that I wasn't doing. I'm like, you know what? Black people need Mm. to taste this vegan food. If they taste it, it's a game changer. And I'm like, I want to, I want to help do that. I'm like, I want, I want to feed black people vegan food without them paying for it. And so I put that out there in my mind, like, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, I need to be paid to be vegan. Like somebody needs to hire me mm-hmm. <laughs> and I need to pay to be vegan and manifesting a job with vegan outreach. And part of my job was exactly that going into communities of color, uh, doing a brief presentation and in exchange for them listening to the presentation, we feed them delicious vegan food. Mm-hmm. And so I did that in different aspects um, for several years until the pandemic hit. And then when the pandemic hit, we pivoted and decided to do food outreach programs mm-hmm. to, to communities of color. So um, I was in charge of LA. And so I reached out to Black Lives Matter, shout out Melina Abdullah, who said yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and Black Lives Matter, Black Women for Wellness we worked with, Black Women Farmers of LA, the LGBT Center off of MLK, uh, Crass African Spiritual Unity Center. So we work with all these different organizations to provide fresh produce and hot meals, hot vegan meals. So people mm-hmm. can try the meals and also take home a ton of vegan groceries. So I did that for about a year and a half and I was like burnt out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't anybody's fault. Like I kept getting, a, I had a large budget, so I wanted to feed everybody. I'm like, I'm not saying no, if I can afford it, I'm doing it. So mm-hmm. I had this budget, so I'm just like hitting the streets. And by the end of last year, I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> like, I can't do this all the time. And so I decided, you know, after having done this work for a while, I'm like, I can manage myself. And so I decided to create a food bank so people come to me. Mm. I don't have people. <laughs> and I ended up running into a gentleman that has a food bank, uh, Sonny Kang. And then we started talking. I mean, it was all s- such synchronicity, divine mm. synchronicity. Like I couldn't have created a better situation if I took a year to plan it out. Like the way it happened was just so divine and wonderful. And so, yeah, the food bank started in May and it's been going strong ever since. And and that's a undertaking I think that most people wouldn't even consider and but it has such a huge impact. So you you touched on it a little bit but what was that process like to put together the food bank? I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of uh learning that went along with it. Like what was that process like? So I'm glad you asked. So initially I had the the thought kind of came to me like towards the end of last year. And I'm like, there's no feet. And I kept looking up. I'm like, there are no vegan food banks or people that, you know, do produce outreach and things like that. But there are no food banks where someone who is, you know, struggling a little bit and needs a little bit more to feed the family and they're vegan or they want more fresh produce. There's no place for them to go. And so I started looking up community centers and churches and, you know, telling friends and they're like, well, uh, Keisha's cousin's nephew's brother has the hookup on this. And it was just like too much. And I'm like, I can't I can't afford to, like, experiment with this to the point where I'd have to start over. I'm like, this needs to hit the first time. (laughs) And so I just said, universe. I need this to fall in my lap. I'm overthinking it. I'm thinking too hard. Too many names and numbers and emails in my head. I said, I need this to be divine and I need to fall in my lap. And I deserve for this to fall into my lap in a really beautiful way. So I ended up probably maybe about a month or so later having lunch with this pastor who's doing a vegan program at a college and wanted to exchange some information. And we're talking and, you know, he's like, yeah, I have a I have a food bank. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, I'm trying to start a food bank, but an all vegan one. Mm-hmm. And he said and I had just finished my sharing my dream with him. This is a pastor. I just told him my dream. And he was just like, wow, that makes sense. I get it. You know, so we already were connecting. And he said, instead of you starting from scratch, because it's a lot, he said, why don't you just take over? part of my food bank and take, you know, take a week or whatever. And it's completely yours to do the food bank. And I was, cause I was going to have to purchase, you know, get a place that had freezers or purchase freezers, get trucks, 
refrigerators, staff. And I'm like, I'm running out of money already. <laughs> and he had all of it. He's like, I have the freezers. I have the refrigerator. I have a team here. So I've been learning everything from them. Like it's been such an amazing journey and experience. It's It lets me know I'm on the right path. And this is what is necessary because every time there's some type of need, it gets put right there, like here, there you go. And I'm like, all right, thank you. <laughs> and, and what, 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 so let's go into the food bank for a little bit. What could someone expect? Like if they maybe have never been to a food bank or never seen it in action, can you like paint a picture of what happens there? Yes. So we usually, so Wednesdays on the week of the vegan food bank, that is the day where produce gets dropped off from Food Forward, who donates a lot of produce. And then I also have someone that I purchased from, and he drops it off on Wednesdays. So you have these big pallets of uh, produce and products that are dropped off into the warehouse. And then you have a team of volunteers that show up. And we go through these boxes, one vegetable at a time, and we start sorting, tossing away anything that was donated that doesn't look good, packaging everything in like little little baggies so that the day of the food bank, it just goes, you know, you just drop it in their bag. So there's uh, packing and sorting, going through items. There's also um, a, a week prior, there's an ordering system that food banks have so that they can order free surplus items like lentils rice, um, beans, peanut butter, uh, snacks, cleaning products, all types of different things that we, you know, usually supplement the bags with in addition to the produce and the vegan meat products. You know, there's the thing I've been learning a lot is learning how to coordinate uh, donations and what to accept and what not to accept. Uh, I just had a fiasco on Friday where someone a third party was managing a donation on my behalf. They're like, oh, I wants to give you six cases of vegan meat. You got to pick it up from the warehouse. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, that's a small amount to pick up from a warehouse because I've been doing this since May. But I'm like, and he's like, no, this is what it is. It's fine. So I'm like, okay, I'll back off. He's being generous. I don't want to make him think that I don't trust what he's doing. <laughs> and so 16 cases, you know, each case is probably like about that thick. And that wide. So um, I had a third party go to pick it up and he gets there and he's like, yeah, I'm donating 16 cases. They're donating 16 pallet, which is about 18,000 cases. I was like, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> we don't even have that kind of space. <laughs> mm. Second, I knew something was wrong with this, this situation. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it was a huge emergency. I had to contact my third party and my third party had to contact his person and she had to call the warehouse. And instead of him, the guy bringing 16 cases, he brings back an entire pallet, which was still a lot because I've been getting lately a lot of donations of vegan meat products. So he brings back a pallet. We didn't have the space. So I had to contact Vegan Street Fair. And I'm like, can you call some your people to see if they can come and take some stuff? Because this is like just crazy right now. So yeah, anything goes. You got to be ready, like waiting, you know, for that call for a donation and wait for something to go wrong. And it's just, but I asked for all of this, mm. you know, I wanted the abundance and I wanted the experience. And so 
you know, next year this time, I'll be such a professional. <laughs> and and one of the things I noticed as you're telling your story, even from the vegan origin story, is you've mentioned like manifesting and you calling things into your life and things of that nature. And, you know, this is a topic that I don't really talk a lot about in the podcast, but um, how has that, you know, sort of mind shift for you created abundance or created shifts in your life? You know, like for people who don't, you know, think along those terms, like what, how has that benefited you over the years? Yeah. Well, just, you know, for me having the awareness that this isn't just like some type of woo woo, like this is scientific stuff. Mm. You know, you can research frequency and vibration and manifesting. It is very scientific and provable. So it's not just like, I'm just who wishing and all this other stuff. I mean, even if I was that's scientific as well, but that's another conversation, <laughs> but there's something to be said about taking accountability and responsibility for your own life, for your own reality. There was a time in my life to where I would blame an outside force, you know, or say, Oh, it was this person or, Oh, it must be a, a deemed demonic energy or, is, you know what I mean? Like blaming something else instead of taking full accountability, because the fact is, whether you're into this or not, you're doing it anyway. You're manifesting your life anyway. There's yeah, no yeah. way that you're, you can't do it or you can get out of it. You're doing it based on how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your environment. You know, for me, I've been working on being very intentional with what I feel I deserve. You know, I'm like, okay, I would like to live in a bigger place. I want a balcony. I want a beautiful view. I want this to look like this. And so for me, it's like using the power of visualization to oh, hold right. that image in my mind's eye and feel good about what I'm seeing because it's also the feeling. So feeling good about this two bedroom, balcony and I could see the the hills and the neighborhood is beautiful and I go walking and I'm safe and this that and the other and all these things that I want to have happen that will happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just stepping into that awareness but like I said there's something about something very powerful and liberating about taking responsibility for your own life. Doesn't mean that you can't Thank God, praise God, thank Jesus, have your beliefs and all that, because you can have all that too. Like, I'm not saying you have to replace this with something else, but just hone in on the fact that you are that powerful, that you have a say so in some of the things that happen and come into your life. Now, it doesn't take into account experiences you may need to have or you being at this place at this time, but for the most part, you can focus and think about the type of life you have, know that you deserve it and just will it in. And I try to do that with as many things as I can. I try to undo old programming, like old stories of trauma, old stories of something that I can't do anymore or men are this way. Like that's one I've been working on is I change my programming of men. <laughs> Cause I got some stories. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, like, Oh, it doesn't, that doesn't have to be true. The only reason this happened was because of how you were feeling about this, that, and the other. So it's just like me just 
honing in on my my movie <laughs> yeah. and and directing it and producing it and putting in the characters and all that good stuff. We want to hear from you. Visit our website to ask a question, leave a comment, or tell us how much you love the show. We'll play some of your messages during the episode, as well as directly to our guests. So be sure to leave your name and city and visit SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. And I think this is so understated in society of being able to be the author of your life and take yeah. ownership for that. Yeah. Because even in the black community, especially, you know, we're, whether you want to participate or not, we are conditioned to be in a constant state of trauma, whether, yeah. whether it's looking back at how our people have been treated over the last couple hundred years in America yes. and this being just having to swallow that and and then things popping up here and then you find out about the you know Tulsa you find out about these things and yes. it's not even no one's talking about it and you see mm -hmm. these films that come out and it's just like slavery after slavery after slavery and you're conditioned to see things but then they say oh nothing to see over here yeah and and <laughs> and it, and you're kind of relegated to just whispers and murmurs amongst you know, people you feel comfortable, but meanwhile, this trauma is building up inside of you. And then not even having to deal with the past, but the present, you know, what yes. the music that we're consuming and, and what's happening with hip hop and right, I wouldn't even call it hip hop right now. Just like rap yeah. music and yes. the takeoff dying. You know what I mean? It's, there's thing after thing, after thing, after thing. And I bring all this up to say the conversation we were having helps and not letting that become your identity, not letting that become what drives you. Because now you, with you in the driver's seat and you having these tools of awareness and, and reflection, you can now experience that from a point of view where you're observing it and not yes. Yes. being a part of it. And I feel like that, like I went through a transfer, not a transfer, I went through a, a journey in the last couple of years where I did that work and, you know, paid to be in these, you know, Tony Robbins-esque things. And the one of the best investments I've ever made in my life because it didn't fix me, but it gave me the tools so that way I can maneuver through it and I can stay focused on the mission that I've set out for myself. So... Yeah, it's and I remember and I go back to when we met. I remember us having these sort of conversations. So I feel comfortable, you know, talking to you about this and sharing yeah. it with our audience because we don't always get to do that. It's always, I you know. know, it's it's about, you know, yes, SoFlo Vegans podcast, but I feel like there's a lifestyle that's a part of it as well. And if we learn to get out of our own way, hmm. I feel like hmm. that that is step one to caring for the animals and, and, Man. and now this is a show right here this is a show <laughs> right here <laughs> oh you are speaking my language it's one of the reasons you know i have a group vegans for black lives matter and i had to get away from the branding of that group mm -hmm. because everybody wanted to interview me on diversity equity and inclusion and wanted to be scolded and <laughs> and i'm like after I got over all of the George Floyd trauma and that experience that it brought out, you know, brought out a lot of 
uh, oppressed anger in me that I was able to kind of release and look at and exhale and move forward. But I understand that everybody doesn't process like that. Some people, they want to read the, the haunting headlines. They want to see the brutality. They want to, you know, black people want to have that rage. White people want to feel that guilt. It's, it's a, a, an exchange of energy that I just decided I just didn't want to keep participating in. Doesn't mean that sometimes I won't be like, uh-uh, you know what I mean? Like I won't get a little bit caught up because I'm still a human and I still feel, but I don't want to be defined by that. I'm not defining myself as oppressed. I'm not defining myself as a minority. I'm not defining myself as all these other um, low frequency words that create triggers all the time. And triggers, you know what people's triggers are. You can control them, mm-hmm. you know? And what you were saying, like with black people, like that is the one thing, like we have to work on our triggers. It is not anybody else's responsibility to not say that. So you can't say that like people can say what they want. Now, doesn't mean that you don't want to box them when they do it, you know, or whatever. But you can't keep giving that control to the other. You have to take responsibility for it and work on your trigger so that you're not controlled every time the media decides it needs a little boost in ratings or they want to divert our attention to something else like you got to take, that's why it's so important to take responsibility for your life and for how you feel and for how you perceive the world and for how you show up. Doesn't mean it's a one time you take the pill and you're all of a sudden, you know, 100% of your brain is activated. And you're, 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 you're in the matrix. You're, you know, <laughs> you're unplugging people, the things from the back of their heads. <laughs> I'm telling you exactly. <laughs> you <should> unplug <laughs> oh, that was good. I'm gonna have to, you may have you may hear me say that again. I'm like, you know, just unplug them. Just <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't mean like it's a one time, like it's a constant, it's a journey. Yeah. And it's and it's levels, you know, you, you level up, you get to one level, then you get there and you fill it out and then you kind of maybe somewhat master it and then you go to the next and you just keep working on and keep working on working on your stuff. And what I will even say to that too is and just speaking from my personal journey is you know you what happens is it allows me to transform like to the ultimate version of myself that already exists, mm-hmm. that it already happened, mm-hmm. that already did what he's supposed to do. Yes. But yes. I'm working my way towards that. And for me, part of you know the meaning of life is to enjoy the ride, is to enjoy the process, the ups and the downs, learning from it and things of that nature. But even as I kind of level up, the challenges become greater, you know yes. what I mean? So, and even if you want to talk about from a spirituality standpoint, you know, the more light that you gather and you create for yourself attracts an even greater amount of darkness. Cause I feel like the world, there's a polarity where, you know, for things to be in equal, all right, for there to be an equilibrium that there has to be an equal level of darkness and light. And I feel like as human beings, part of that transformation that we get to go through is to be the neutral point between the light and the dark or the negative and the positive. So that way we remain unbothered 
regardless of the situation yes. than with a than with a focus and with a, a mission or a purpose, which is the other piece that I like to talk about, is now you're not driven by the elements that are around you, kind of what you were talking about. You're focused on what your mission is. You know, like yeah. my mission is to build communities that are economically sustainable and viable because I see too many people with big hearts not, a, not able to fulfill their dreams and their missions because they don't know how to run a successful business and yeah. no one's going to do it for you. So, you know, being able to create that model, that's what drives me. And so flow vegans might be it. This might be it. I might work with it. So I think finding what, and it might be somebody just wanting to be there for their family, provide for their family, make sure that they're set up for the future and however that looks. So, I mean, I think the combination of those two things are important and, you know, I applaud you for what you're doing and I'm sure you're setting an example. I mean, hopefully you're setting an example for other people around the country who can do that because I feel it's needed, you know, not just feeding people, but feeding them healthy foods that yes. are going to keep them from going to the hospital. Cause that's a whole other conversation, yes. you know, in terms of like what's really happening there. And, um, and I, and I feel like going plant-based whole food, plant-based vegan, whatever you want to call it is a, is a treat for yourself. It's self-care. Yes. Oh, that's good. It is self-care. Cause when I went vegetarian, even though I was still indulging in dairy, there was such a huge difference in how my body responded and how I felt. I used to get severe menstrual cycles. And when I did the Daniels fast, I didn't even have a pain. My cycle would last sometimes for 10 days. It was gone in two. I went from 10 to two, not even having a flutter of pain. And I remember I would be so emotional and um, moody and I remember I felt pleasant and euphoric. And I was like, what? Like it was, I was like, it must be because I was eating meat all these years. And so, yeah, it, it definitely, you benefit. The, the planet benefits. It's a win-win regardless of why you're doing it. It's a huge win-win for everybody. And, and I think, you know, kind of as we start to wind the podcast down, I want to talk about just our personal experiences going vegan and, and transitioning, you know, I feel that testimonial is helpful for people who may just started, must have gotten started or are not sure about getting started. Like for me, for example, before I went vegan, I was getting shots every week for allergies and, you know, and it wasn't really helping. Every it was getting week? every single week because I was constantly congested. I did a test and I was allergic to like 40 out of like 39 out of the 40 things on there. Wow. So, and when I went vegan, it's like you, you realize like all of this stuff is contributing. It's like a lot of these things are not supposed to be in your body. We are not, we're not, it's, it's, it's like funny, especially in the black community is like, I'm lactose intolerant. No, you're not supposed to be drinking the milk from a, of a, of a mother cow. Right. Cause you're not a baby cow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's not your lactose intolerant and you know, it's your body being finely tuned to let you know, don't put this in me. And the ones who can drink milk don't have that, that, that component in their body. So, so little things like that and just thinking of, as you really start breaking down, what are these things that we're eating? You know, eggs, you know, 
you know what an actual egg is you know, know. you don't have to take my word for it google it you know what i mean and, and milk you know the things that are in there like the meat having but the pus the blood all and, that and i'm not even coming from a perspective that these are living sentient beings I'm just coming from the perspective yes. of it's disgusting. Yes. You know, and Avi, and I had this conversation um yesterday. It's like even the meat that you're eating, right? Like I challenge anybody out there to go a whole week if you eat meat without seasoning your meat. Not even salt. Now then tell me that you can't live without meat. What you can't live without are the plants that you put on the meat in the form of seasoning. Mm -hmm. Find something with the right texture. Mm -hmm. now, I'm, I'm, you know, find the right texture. I mean, if you Preach. don't want to go with a mushroom and you want to go with even an imitation meat, you know, mm -hmm. to each his own. But I, th and I also love that the science is catching up. They're yes. getting really good at creating the texture, yes. the mouth feel that a lot of these meats have. And that comes from investments for people and a lot of investments are coming from people who aren't vegan who want to see who are coming at it from maybe from an environmental aspect where they know it's not sustainable long term and they want to be at the front of the line when it comes to having monopoly on these products that are going to hit the shelf hey you know it may not be the way i go about it but i feel like the end result is that you're going to mm -hmm. see less and less um, need for people to even have me and um yeah. so yeah so like what are what are your thoughts on the future the future of where this movement is going and kind of maybe what your role might look in that well i don't know sometimes i feel like in my lifetime that we are going to be majority vegan. I just I just feel, I mean, it could be on my deathbed, but I do feel like I'll be alive to see it because of how rapidly the progress is going. I know some people don't think it's going fast enough because they want animals to be liberated like yesterday and I get it, but I went vegan in 2016. I mean, you were just excited to have like, if somebody came out with some cheese, it could be crap. You were just like, oh, there's a new cheese out there, you know, because you were just excited for anything vegan. Like it was it wasn't hard to impress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now there's so many products and so much, like you said, the technology is catching up. The cheeses, you know, the goudas and all that stuff are absolutely amazing. The, the meats are, you know, coming as close as they possibly can to the animal type texture. So I do think that there's going to be huge leaps of transition on this planet when it comes to, eat. I think they're doing it anyway. They're, because one, it's not sustainable to the planet. Mm -hmm. And no matter how slow they act on it, they know time is running out. They know these facts. They just don't want to say it, but they know that we can't continue on this trajectory or it's going to be very harmful for the planet and its inhabitants, including the people that are making these crazy decisions. So I do feel like there's going to be a huge shift at some point to where a a lot of the meat will be replaced with animal proteins, whether people are making the decision consciously or not. I think it's gonna happen on a consumerism level and on a environmental level. So I do feel very optimistic, not just spiritually, but I also think for the safety of the planet, it's gonna happen.
And I think even with like cultured meats and, you know, yes. creating it from the, the, the yes. uh, if you're not familiar with cells. the term cultured meat, it's, it's they're taking cells from actual animals and they're recreating the meat, the actual meat in the lab. Now, of course, people are going to be like, well, I don't want anything that's manufactured or processed and things of that nature. But you're doing but it anyway. You're eating manufactured and processed animal anyway. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now, they just don't even tell you <laughs> that's what it is. They're just, they're just putting it. It's like, oh, wait, my meat's like 50% less now. Oh, awesome. I'm happy. You but know? you know, that's what they do on this planet. They, they, they experiment on people. They wait. They don't tell the truth. So, yeah, they're probably doing it already. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know what? The sad reality is they're probably going to start in the black and the, the disenfranchised communities first to see, yep. okay, oh, they're not dropping dead. All right, let's, let's, let's roll it out. I yep. say that, say that in jest. Uh, don't cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> so, like I said, we're, we're riding down the podcast now, and we covered a lot of amazing things that you're working on. But just for our audience, let us know kind of what it is that you are, you know, most excited about right now, how they can support, and anything else that we might not have touched on. So, yeah. So, the food bank, um, if you're in Los Angeles watching, is every third. Uh, week of the month, every third Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday is for sorting and packing if you want to come and volunteer. And the third Thursday is we actually do the food bank distribution. For December, because of the holidays, it's going to be on the second week of December. So if you're interested in volunteering or even if you're interested in just coming to get some items, I can set some stuff aside for you. Uh, you can text us at 626-88-GO-VEG, G-O-V-E-G, or you can email me at Gwenna, G-W-E-N-N-A, at vegansofla.com. But yeah, the food bank is my pride and joy right now. We serve about and one day at that location, about 325 people in a two-hour period. The line is usually wrapped around the corner before we even get started. So the need is real. We have fresh produce, fruits, grains, lentils, rice, beans, anything you can think of. Like we have it for the most part. And then we usually get like some type of donation of like a plant-based meat, you know, alternative that people can take home with them. And thank you so much for being on the show. And once again, part of our tradition, the last segment that we have for the podcast is from the heart. And we invite our guests to drop from the headspace to the heart space and just to share a message directly with our audience. So once you're finished, that will be the end of the show. So if you're listening right now, be sure to go to soulflowvegans.com slash podcast to see this episode as well as other episodes, show notes, links to find out how you can support a food bank and so much more. And you could also download our app on Android and iPhone. Just search SoFlow Vegans and you can listen to this podcast on there as well. So thank you, Gwena, so much for being on the show. And the floor is yours. Thank you. Well, what I would like to leave everybody with is something I like to talk about is planetary unity. Um, I definitely believe that planetary unity is possible in this lifetime. Now, when I say planetary unity, I don't mean that we all have to be in love with each other, hold hands and skip down the yellow brick road, even though that would be absolutely amazing, too. And I would like to see that in my lifetime. However, planetary unity means coming together for the greater good of 
your community, of your family, of the human race, of you know whatever you want to come together for. You can still dislike each other if that's what you want to do. You don't have to agree with each other, but you can come together as people to solve a certain issue, to solve a certain, to, to come together for a certain cause. So start thinking in terms of planetary unity, but that also first starts within yourself. So you have to first have unity within your own heart, which means forgiving yourself, taking a rest, doing joyful things, living out a, a dream, visualizing, just taking good care of yourself and putting yourself first and loving on yourself. And again, it doesn't mean you take the pill and it's done in, in one shot. It's a constant process. I'm constantly working on loving myself more and more. And every time I think I love myself, I'm like, oh, there's more I need to love. There's more I need to let go of. There's more I need to take into consideration. So think along terms of planetary unity and planetary healing, because we are right now creating a new world. Like it's not going to happen. It's happening right now and it, everyone has to participate. So think of the type of world that you want to live in, a world of peace, no wars, a world of equality, liberation, joy, safety, love, compassion. Visualize what that looks like, how that feels. And that's the first step is thinking about it, feeling it, and knowing that it's gonna happen. And if enough of us continue to do that on a regu regular basis, we speed this thing up. We're gonna do it anyway at the end, the spoiler alert is, we got this. But in the meantime, let's speed it up. <laughs> so planetary unity shall always be the goal. Thank you. You've been listening to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. As you can see, our passion is to help people navigate the vegan lifestyle, having on vegan experts from around the globe. Sean is the founder and, of course, the host of SoFlow Vegans, an organization created to help make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at SoFlow Vegans. Find the show and more at SoFlowVegans.com slash podcast. And for questions or comments, send an email to contact at SoFlowVegans.com. Our food is grown, not born. See you next time.